You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. My time is yours. I was the last man standing. I am the man, and the man feels no pressure. You are facing a fuel-injected suicide machine. Fear from the man that rules the world. You are now entering the vicious circle. Ah, let me see here. Uh, hey, Sid, your BTW dear friend Mark, you are spitting out some good knowledge. You might know more than me about this COVID nineteen info. Not as much as New York's. St- uh, you have achieved legend status, and I'm listening. There we go. That's a lot of words, but it basically, yeah, he's 100% right. There's a lot of information um, out there. Well, and that's what they said, guys, and that's why we, we have to remember this. They said that there's a lot out there they don't know about this virus, just like me and Maggie talked about. They said that the heat would come, and it would it would eliminate a lot of the virus. Well, that didn't help. You know, the rain's not washing it away. So it's not. It's a, and it's a lot stronger than they thought it was, too. So, there, And then it, it's affecting, first of all, when you affect anyone younger than 40, now it's hitting people 20 and 40. That's the main people right now. So there's a lot of stuff we haven't learned about it. One thing we have learned for sure is still there. Exactly. So that's why, we ha- that's why we have to be careful. Exactly. I think we have another wrestling question here from Eleanor. Uh, how was it like working with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall on WCW? Do you still keep in contact with them? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun working with them. Kevin and I, I think I made his, me and him made his first road trips together. Scott and I knew each other from the beginning days of Continental. Um, he was, came here and stayed at my house for a while, him and his kid. We did a lot of, we helped out each other on charity stuff. Um, and every time I see him somewhere, an autograph sign or something like that, it's always good to see him. Here we go. Here's a good one. Uh, this gentleman, Matt Pepper, he's got a wrestling podcast up here in Chatham. Sid, what do you attribute to your huge reaction as a heel? I rewatched an 89 match with you teaming with Danny Spivey. He got booed out of the building and your name got chanted. Same thing happened in WWF in the mid nineties. You were getting cheered in matches against both Brett and Sean. Well, I think, again, what I was trying to achieve with the character that I was working with there, I tried to open up every facet and every avenue to to reach everyone. Um, I didn't handcuff myself or I didn't stay stay around in the same water all the time. Uh, Just tried to make things new. Never tried to, um, even to my own demise sometimes I wouldn't use the same thing where I could. I'd try to use something new all the time. Um, again, just trying to take advantage of every op- every second I had out there where people would remember me and do things that people would remember me. And I think I sort of did that. Yeah. And people knew what they liked, you know, right. you could try and force people on them, but that never. Right. Happened. That's the thing is you can't force feed. That's why I swore. I, I, again, I don't want to go back in this, but that's why I think Donald Trump's he's overexposed right now. 
he's had too many people to be able to dislike him. Even he's got so much of the Republican Party against. He's got one whole movement. It's just ladies against him in the Republican Party. It's something like something against Trump. But but no, that's what happens when you when you try to force someone. And that's what they did with people like Brett and uh, Sean. Uh, even when they weren't getting over, they kept force feeding and forcing people. And after a while, you, you, you start having a resentment to that person. And that's sort of what happened to those guys. I really remember that with Triple H in like early 2000s when the Attitude Era was really kicking in. Why? They kept that belt on him forever. And it's like, oh, my God, there's more than just him in the Federation, you know, spread it right. around. Well, of course, he's married to the boss's daughter. Yeah, that which helps. But <laughs> um, no, I don't think he actually I, I don't think he did a bad job of that uh, to be in the position he was in. He could have force fed himself more to the public. But I think he 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 did a good job of reining himself back a little bit and not put it all on him. Yeah. You know, I think he he, he could have done a lot more. Uh, here's one from Drew. What are your thoughts on Russo? Vince Russo, he's a good, all right guy and everything. He's not, um, definitely not the genius everybody makes him out to be. Um, an opportunist like a lot of us. He took it, uh, tried to take an opportunity with each company he's worked for to put something out there different to get himself a gig and something else and just never did work. And um, I think he's, and a little bit, you know, he ha you'd have to say he's a little overrated for what he could do because he didn't really do anything. You know, he didn't, he didn't create any ratings. He didn't, you know, create any sellouts. Um, it almost looked like he was sabotaging the company at one time. It was so bad. Yeah, you and I talked about that too. And I, I don't think it was legit. Like, I don't think that was his target, but I think he's a prime example of why some people need to work in groups. Right. His work in the fed, he was bouncing off other people, you know, especially Vince, but in WCW, he seemed to be, you know, calling the story. Right. And that's a huge, huge difference right there. Right. He's, I, that's the thing is I, I've always said, you, you always have to surround yourself around a lot of good people. And he just didn't do that. Uh, oh, here's a comment on the Walmart story. Uh, Drew said, I bet the meat department gets cleaned out when you're there. Yeah, it does in the chicken department for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let me see here. What else have we got? How were the Dudleys to work with in ECW? They were okay. Um, don't remember working with them a whole lot, but they were, you know, they were gentlemen, you know, you know, easy to work with. You know, really – Guys, I didn't have a lot of problem working with most people. Everybody was pretty cordial, and um, you know, I tried to be flexible, and everybody else was flexible. And there were very few people that really were hard to work with. Well, and, and we talked a bit too. Like this is the weirdest business too, where you're trying to put yourself as over as much as you can, but you're still trying to lift others up at the same time. Right. So you can't. The best way to go in is not have an attitude. No, you got to. That's the best. That's advice I got from Hillbilly Jim when I was just first getting into the businesses. You know, this, he said, man, this business is fake. They want you to lose. You ask them how you want it done. You know, don't take it serious. And I didn't. I just took every night as a another night, get under my belt, get home and start the next day. Now, 
I'm going to put this one up, but I think there was more than one. It says, uh, do you remember the match between Brett the Hitman Hart and Sid Vicious? I'm... There was more than one. Yeah, there was a bunch of them. But we had some pretty good matches. We had some really good cage matches. Um, and they and we did really good business in those cage matches. We we actually one time sold out in Detroit. Um, and the Detroit Red Wings were playing right next to us in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So that says we were we were doing pretty good. Nice. Uh, I know we've talked about the Alamo Dome before. Uh, Sid, did you like working with Shawn Michaels at the Royal Rumble in the Alamo Dome? Yeah, that was a great show. Um, you know, anytime you get 70,000 people in the building, that's a, that's a, that's a heck of an achievement. Um, and it's a great feeling for sure. Oh, actually someone's coming. We talked about this. You're supposed to do a signing in California. Right. Are you excited to come to the West Coast on August 23rd for your meet and greet? Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to it. I just got my airline ticket the other day. Nice. How are they setting that up? Like- well, we're talking about it still. They might put a plexiglass there, uh, might wear masks. To, we're just seeing how bad it is when we get there. At least they're looking into it. That's a nice sign, you know? Right, right. Uh, here's a question. Can we ask how much Sid could bench? Most every bench was 485. Holy crap. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, let me see here. Ryan Haskell said, Jim Cornette just gave some bad opinions about Sid the other day on his podcast. What is Sid's opinion of working with Jim? I didn't know he had a podcast. Oh, uh, I didn't either. Actually, yes. Uh, you know Pete, my cousin Pete? Yeah. He just sent this to me. Or was it last night? I haven't listened to it yet. But I well, Jim is a hater of me. I don't know why. I think it goes back to the deal with Arn Anderson. Um, I think since that, he had a, you know, he never says anything. When we see each other, he's he's as nice to me as anyone. So as long as he keeps doing that, it'd be okay. I don't care what Jim Cornette says or thinks. Um, it really doesn't matter. He's he's um, every time he speaks, it goes to show how how weird the guy is. Well, and you find that in any situation too, like, especially like say a couple breaks up, you're going to have friends go to either side. Right. You know? So when things like that happen, you expect that division. Right. Right. And and people will defend one side adamantly. Sure. You know, every, and every, like you said, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So. Right. And uh, thank you, Ricky. And I'm going to comment to everybody else too. If you, if I don't get your question or I seem to go by it, just retype it. Because I missed this the first time around. I read it, but I couldn't see it. Um, Sid, have you ever met The Rock? And do you have any cool stories about him? Uh, I met him a couple times. That we, at My last WrestleMania, we actually uh, had dinner together. The company put me, him, his wife, my wife. Uh, we all went to dinner that night. And um, that's about the only memory I got of The Rock. Oh, Go ahead. You were going to say something? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, Ryan just clarified something. He said you were uh, good as a human, but not as a performer. That Jim said. Well, this is the thing is, or that sounds like a little professional jealousy. Um, as a performer, you know, this is the thing is, guys, Rob or whoever asked this question. That was the way I look at Ryan. The way I look at it is this: the performer or or whatever you want to call us, 
is the one who's able to sell tickets and get people to come buy a ticket. I think I did that as well as anyone out there as far as selling tickets. So I would say, I'd have to say then my performance had to be pretty good for, to achieve that. So, um, I appreciate the comment as a person. He said, I'm a good person, just not a good performer. Um, I, 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 I beg to differ with him. I think I was a pretty good performer. Like you said, if people are putting their butts in those seats, then you're doing your job. Right. Let's see. Someone really trying to get a hold of you tonight. I know. <laughs> uh, we have here Sid Vicious versus The Undertaker. What a great match. That was a really good match. But you guys worked together a lot. We did. We worked for years together. We worked in Memphis together. We actually, um, after I came back from my lung surgery, we rode together as he was still one of the skyscrapers and I wasn't anymore. Then we worked in WWF together when I was Sid Justice quite a bit and then worked quite a bit of Psycho Sid as well. So we had a lot of good matches. Uh, here's one from David Johnson. You're talking about going to Los Angeles. Uh, is it Los Angeles? I know it's in California where you're going. Right. But do you have any plans to come out to the Pacific Northwest? Chicken and drinks are on him. <laughs> when I get up there, I'll I'll definitely uh, keep you uh, keep uh, put you up to that. I'll make sure I write his name down for you. That way you can track him down. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Jose. Uh, hi from Peru. Can you ask Sid about the million dollar corporation? What he thought about it? I think it was weak. Um, it was sort of, you know, just, I don't know. I didn't like it. I was in the position to say no at the time. Uh, they had Ted on the road with me to sort of be my babysitter, you know, so I sort of had to live with that. Uh, let me see here. Here's another one. Did you ever meet Stone Cold Steve Austin? Yeah, me and Steve was in Memphis together. We were in WCW together, and we were in WWF together. It was before the Stone Cold gimmick, though, wasn't it? Well, he was doing the million-dollar gimmick where he was wearing the million-dollar belt when I came back from my neck injury. And then right after that, he started wearing black boots and black vests like I was wearing. Yep. Uh, let me see here. Is Ricky. Thank you for answering my question. Hope you're doing well. Sorry he brought you heart surgery. It wasn't a surgery, was it? No, it was just an ablation. It's just a, uh, my blood pressure has been perfect, like 110 over 70. It was just to keep my heart rate down a little bit. Really, it's just to be able to take, I'm off now, uh, the medication. I'm just on one little um, blood pressure medication now. Nice. And then here's David, a follow-up. Uh, you'll always have haters. I watched you all those years, and you've done awesome. And yeah, like you said. Oh, yeah, you, you can't. You can't stop the people from, you know, and I, I like the, the haters and the different opinions. Uh, I welcome them, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, here is Patrick saying, do you still have contact with Pierre-Carl Ouellette? Yeah, I talked to him quite a bit. Why do I know that name? He was one half of the Quebecers at one time. That's He's from Mon Montreal. That's right. Uh, let me see here. Uh, Jacob said, I remember the skyscrapers from WCW. And yeah, I, uh, was that WCW? That was the beginning of WCW, wasn't it? Right, my first yeah. run WCW. Right. Um, whose idea was it to change your second name? Was it Vince's? I, I think both times you went to the Fed, they, it was their idea. Yeah, that was their idea. Did they ever give you reasons, or are they just going, okay, this is your new gimmick? They said that 
Sid Vicious was copyrighted by Sid Vicious's aunt. And um, they always had an excuse when they wanted something their way. And Vince always had to, he always wanted to own everything. He didn't, you know, and that was, I think, another reason. Gotcha. Uh, someone did this. I think they just heard the answer as they were typing it. Good to hear your podcast again. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Jim Cornette is so outspoken about people. What is your opinion of him? Someone just beat me to the Jim Cornette question. For the record, I think you're an awesome performer and you definitely put butts in seats. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad Jim's got a podcast, and I, I, I tell people these are a great way to get out there and, and be able to touch the the fans and keep in touch with things like that. So uh, I, I want to see Jim, and I want to see everybody have a podcast, and, and the things they say, if they're wrong, we can always correct them. Exactly. And it's nice, too, because um, I, who was it I was speaking with? I think it was uh, Danny Davis. He said, it's the fans that drive this business. Right. So people interact with the fans, and this is about as close as you can get next to sitting at a table in front. Of them. Oh, sure, sure. You know, so uh, oh, here's one. Any chance of getting downtown Bruno on here? Love to hear some stories. We'll we'll talk to him by getting on. He said he'd love to come on sometime. That would be cool, actually, because you guys traveled a lot together. Yeah. <laughs> here's one from Cheryl. Uh, can I get a shout out so I can brag about it tomorrow at work? Sid, you're the best. Hi from Charleston. <laughs> hey, Cheryl. I hope you're having a great night tonight. Oh, while we're talking too, I want to I want to call out to Carl. Remember, we talked about the the gentleman from England who wanted to get a little video for his mom. Right. And we talked about getting him on video here so they could talk back and forth, and he just stopped responding. Oh, I, okay. I guarantee. I think he thinks. Uh, it was being scammed or something like that. So Carl, if you're listening, get back, email me back and we will yeah. in chat. Yeah. Carl set up. There's, there's, uh, don't be nervous or scared about anything. Yeah. I, I get being nervous because you get those emails and they're going, Oh yeah, sure. I get it. It's a scam, but no. Right. Uh, let me see. Here we go from Patrick. What was your best memories in the WWF in the nineties? Mm, man, it was, it was uh, in the beginning, it was so much fun. Every day was uh, a lot of fun. You know, I was, it was, I was still young to the business really. And, and being part of something that big every night of your life was just overwhelming fun. Well, the, the, the Fed too, they were, like you said, they're more carnival-esque, you know, like. Why? That would be interesting. Um, I got one here too. Sid, uh, on more questions, were you ever close to returning to the WWE in the two thousands? Yeah, I was trying to, I just never could, um, get them to talk with my attorney to work out a deal. So 97 was the last time you were technically in the fed, right? Right. Okay. For some reason I thought it went longer. It's, I just rewatch all the matches. So it seems like forever. Uh, let me see here. Bobby said Sid was built like the man of steel back then. He was the next Hulk Hogan. I, I don't know if I'd put you guys in the same category. You were above Hogan to me. I do. I, I think so too. I mean, I was so, uh, Hogan was so limited, uh, what he could do. And uh, it pretty much showed, you know, the short stint of me being there, the people pretty much made their decision who they wanted to see. 
Right. And uh, he was very cartoon animated too. Right. Exactly. Like you said, the three stooges, that's where he got that gimmick. And that's where he got that gimmick. You know, you were more of the real person. Right. the, The heel. Uh, let me see. Albert Romero says, any stories on the warrior? Well, we've had quite a few of those on here. Yeah, he was a strange cat, man. Uh, i never forget one time we were talking about a match one time, and he pointed to the ceiling and said, will the stars tell the ultimate warrior? And I started looking around like, is somebody filming this? <laughs> and uh, I went out and talked to Jack Lanza, and Lanza was like, he's just, he's that's him. I went, man. And I quit the next night and went home. That's got to be disorienting, especially because you're used to that in front of the camera or out in the floor. Right. Yeah, but not in the dressing room. No. Yes. Uh, let me see here. This is from Yosef. Why haven't you been inducted into the Hall of Fame? That's. I don't know. Uh, that's um, WWE. That's their deal. Uh, let me see. Sid, when the can of shaving cream blew up in your face at the barbershop, did you realize the value of that at the moment and how it contributed to the awesomeness of the promo? No, I didn't. Not until afterwards. Um, I was really upset that that happened um, because it wasn't planned to happen. And and they said it really made the whole promo. So that accident really worked out for the best. Yeah, it looked amazing. It was because, like, you know, when everybody, anybody juices or something like that, they always turn to the camera. They want all that to show if it if it's legit. So when this happened, it was it was like the same thing over again, but from a prop. Right, right. So I thought it was awesome. Uh, Patrick Gallon said, SummerSlam 91, why were you the ref and not wrestling? Well, that, that's well how- that, was, that was when I was, that was, that, that was when they were firing the warrior. And I was supposed to not wrestle until WrestleMania. Um, and that's when I was supposed to win the championship and go into my first house shows, which this was the beginning of all those changes. So they were going to fire the Warriors, so they had to put me in as a ref. And then the next night, I took the Warriors' places, all the places he was booked at. Awesome. Now, I think I want to wrap this up with a question for you, Sid, because on Instagram, we've been posting lots of pictures of food and stuff like that. With summer, what is the ideal meal for you for a summer evening? Man, probably, you know, baked chicken or fish with um, some some buttered squash, some rice, and some filled peas, and a slice of tomato with a little cottage cheese. Ah, oh, yes. Those, the the homegrown tomatoes. We've been talking about that. Yeah, I got some. Those homegrown, man, they are so good. They are good. Excellent. Well, let's get to a couple more questions and we'll wrap this up for you. Uh, John says, was there ever a moment that you weren't enjoying the profession? Yeah, when um, when I damaged my neck and it just, I, I was, it was just torture. It wasn't, the business was crap. We weren't getting paid for months at a time. And, um, and that's, I just, I lost the movement of my left arm and, um, I just, I just went home and took a year off and I didn't really know if I was going to come back. Was that when you were doing the second job? Right. Okay. I remember that period you were telling me about. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's another one. 
Matt Pepper says, what's the most difficult part of a day at television? So television taping, that's a really good question, actually. Well, the whole day's taxing. It's, it's really just standing around on that concrete all day. And um, used to, you'd have to do an interview for every market. So there's, you know, hundreds of interviews to do. And uh, it's just a TVs are used to, too. You didn't get paid for TVs because uh, all the, you know, you got paid on what net profit was. And there was no net profit on TVs because it all went to production and stuff like that, unless you work for WCW. Um, but TVs were just hectic. You had to be there at 12 o'clock all day, and it would go sometimes to midnight. So they were tough days. I got to ask, was it confusing to follow storyline too? Because I know you would tape stuff that wouldn't air for two or three months, and you'd film a match that would be on tomorrow. And Well, that was it was confusing also, but, but it was mostly – it was a lot of hazard involved because if you showed those, if you did those tapes and banked on it and someone had an injury within those two or three weeks of those, those things being showed, you didn't have a guy on the house show that you've been advertising for him to be there. I never thought of that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. There were some downsides of taping that many weeks out. Oh man. Uh, let me see here. Oops. Ricky has, I have a question for, Oh, a question for me. How long have you been watching wrestling? I've been watching for 20 years. <laughs> I don't know the exact time. All I know is when I first started wrestling, Magnum TA was battling Nikita uh, Koloff. Yeah. That was in either UWF or AWA. NWA. Or, there we go. Yeah. One of those ones. I, I just can't remember. But that's when I started. And that's like, I think I told you, Sid, Pete and I were up in my bedroom. We had the TV and we had that rabbit ears we were trying to get right it. right right oh uh, gosh yeah that was a while ago <laughs> uh let me see here's one where can we get some sid merchandise i don't think you have any legit merchandise out do you no not of uh, my own i don't have um if they were wanting something like t-shirts just get in touch with us and we could get them something there we go or something like that okay here we'll wrap it up with this question right here uh eldred said hello sid how was it working under colonel rob parker as your manager well actually i hired him uh gave him the job um for p paying him back to, you know for being good to me down at continental and stuff like that and um and i gave him uh the harlem heat to manage so it, it was a lot robert's always a lot of fun ride with he was funny and we laughed all the time about something so he was a lot of fun to be around that was a cool time back then too. Uh, oh, that was fun, man. That, I, I think that was before WCW when they got into the Monday Night Wars. I think I liked right. the period of WCW the best. It was, yeah. Excellent. Well, guys, thanks so much for all the questions. Um, keep them. If I didn't get to them, I apologize. I, I tried to watch them as they went, but they're flying by pretty quick. <laughs> so um, if you have any more questions, keep them ready because... Sid, you love coming on here, like talking to people. Right. So we will definitely be back. And Tuesday, around 7.30ish, we'll figure out an exact time. We're going to talk about what's going on in the world. We'll get Maggie on here and uh, see if we can't narrow down things about what people think. That's a good idea. Excellent. All right. I guess in that case, it's another uh, ending. Peace out. Circle. My time is yours. And we have Rob from Vaughn, Ontario, up by Toronto. Uh, Rob, what's your question for today? Oh, how's it going, Sid? How are you? Good, Rob. 
How you doing um, for the second time? What's up? <laughs> well, I'm a big fan again. I told you, you have a lot of questions for you. But uh, I was just thinking uh, from the the last answer you gave me, um, I was wondering if uh, being friends with uh, the guys that looked like in the late '90s, you were pretty close with Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels, one, two, three, kid. Um, did those guys? Reason I'm asking is because I, I I heard Bret Hart say that he was approached by Shawn Michaels to be part of the Click oh of the '90s. I'm wondering, yeah, oh he did. I'm wondering if Shawn Michaels ever asked you to be part of the Click, which pretty much went on to become, uh, as we know, NWO and Degeneration X and stuff like that. Because you know they they stayed real tight and and, okay. and as we see I'm Triple H bringing all his buddies back and stuff like that for all of these things and whatever and Hall of Fame and I'm just wondering you being out of the picture do you think that may did they ask you to, to be part of that ever first of all I'm gonna probably break your heart here for in just a second first of yeah. all there really was no click the click started probably out of necessity in the WWF and uh, that's when Sean and Razor and uh, Sean Walkman, they were all traveling together. We were all hanging out together. Me and, matter of fact, uh, um, Kevin Nash, his first tour, his first touring in WCW, me and him made all the road trips. He made it with me. Yeah. So, no, we were good friends. But this is the thing is, and this is probably why everybody was clicking together up there. You know, now they somebody came up with that saying, the click, and they sort yeah. of stuck with it. Now, I mean, it was a cool little catchy <laughs> phrase and everything. But the thing is, guys, guys were traveling together like that because we were broke. There was no money being made. Even people, you know, like some of us, we had money saved. There was no big deal. But there was no money coming in. So everybody had to ride four or five or five or six to a vehicle or get vans and stuff like that. So that's probably how the click or, you know, fashion started in WWF that time. Now, also, that, that click didn't go to the NWO. The NWO was created by mistake, uh, not by mistake, but they they were taking, you know, people that come out of the WWF and yep. pretending they were coming into WCW and taking over. It started with a London Blaze, then Lex Luger. That's who first came in. And then Kevin, uh, then Scott Hall, then Kevin Nash. And that table was already set up for them to start the NWO because, you know, of the other two, a London Blaze and Lex Luger, who coming in, letting people know that this is happening. And guys, if you, and I'm not saying, Rob, you don't, but you don't know anything about this business, and fortunately for you. Now, what yeah. happens is the greatest form of heat, and that's to make people hate you or uh, whatever, or to help draw, and that's what the NWO did. In my opinion, I've seen it happen, was one, when one existing territory comes in to evade, invade another existing territory, it's automatic, automatically really good at first because you got your fan base going, get those guys out of here. And I I just was lucky enough or unlucky enough to see it happen firsthand before the NWO thing started several years. And I was uh, in the WWF when we were all up there and uh, running up there when, again, it was, we were starving. Well, my days off, I would work for Lawler's territory here. And they were doing the same kind of angle, but this was a year or so before the NWO where they, you know, Smoky Mountain, Jim Cornette's territory came in, pretended to take over the Memphis territory, and uh, but. During those that week or two, where how, how long it went on, they had really good success. But again, they had two existing territories, so they had to eventually go back to their own territory and then you know start from there. 
Well, what happened was, and I saw it, this is my opinion, don't mean it's right. Um, and Billy Jack Haynes was the their top heel there. Now, I was coming in and out. Uh, I don't know if I was a heel or a babyface when I'd come in. But anyway, I saw Billy Jack Haynes lose his heat just like overnight. And what that, that angle did to the heels in the, in the existing territories, it turned them all babyface. And that's when this happened. That, that's when the turns happened in those territories all the time. Some people saw it. They jumped on it. So when those guys went back to their existing territories, they were left with no no heels. And you have to have heels, especially in that era, uh, to draw money. And within, I'm going to say within a month or so, both territories were closed down. And that's probably, the NWO is probably the reason that WCW is closed down. Because when that thing, and I said it when it happened, when that thing kicked off, I said, and I was in WWF when the NWO thing started, I, say, I told everyone, I said, when this thing falls, it's going to fall so fast, and they're not going to be able to catch it. And this is before this type of, uh, you know, Instagram or um, uh, Skyping or Facebook or podcasts. Before any of that stuff was really, you know, people were using it. Um, but that's what I think happened, uh, Rob. It wasn't, um, I think, the fashions of like the click. Now think about the click. You had, you know, Kevin, uh, Scott, and Sean, and and. Um, Triple H. Triple H. Well, he was the thing is there, guys, he was just getting in himself. He wasn't really a standout like yeah. he was later on, the G Generation X, when it was yeah. all work. Now you gotta think about the guys I'm hanging around with. It's me, Bob Holly, Billy, and Bart Gunn. Now we all know Bart won the fall for brawl, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm riding yeah. with probably the toughest guy in the business. So if if those clicks were really real, I would have said the ones I'm riding with, we probably have the upper hand. But again, that was never even that was never like that, guys, in the locker room, where there was no standoffs, there was no Mexican standoffs, there was no, you know, things like that. Um, um, and again, it I think that thing, not think I know it got blown out way out of proportion to what it really was. Okay, I see. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. You've been listening to the Vicious Circle Podcast. Your host, Sid Udi. Co-host J. Robert Bellamy. Additional research by Pete Marsh. The Vicious Circle podcast was produced by Two Cousin Road Trip Media, a division of JX3 Media Productions. The intro music, Omega Amigo, was by The Shaman. All rights to the podcast are held by Sid Udi.